2 Kings chapter 4. Uh, we're going to continue in our sermon series. Uh, hey, if you've been with us, uh, you know that we've been talking about the life of Elijah, and now we're on to Elisha. So this is his protege. Elisha is a prophet of the Lord. He speaks on behalf of God in the Old Testament, and he is here to combat some of these evil kings. Uh, his teacher, Elisha, or I'm sorry, Elijah, I did it. I told you I would mess it up in previous weeks, and there it is. Elijah went against, remember, the most evil king. Testament, King Ahab. And now Elisha is here continuing on this ministry, combating different evil kings. So we're going to take a look at this. Uh, in the middle of Elisha's ministry here, we get a really cool instance of him being housed by someone. So let's take a look here. 2 Kings chapter 4. Follow along with me if you have your Bible. The words are also going to be on the screen behind me. Uh, and if that's not enough for you, go on the Bible app. Click more, then events, and you can always follow along there with all the information you normally find in your paper bulletin. Uh, 2 Kings chapter 4. One day, Elisha went on to Shunem, when a, where a wealthy woman lived, who urged him to eat some food. So, whenever he passed that way, he would turn there to eat food. And she said to her husband, Behold, now I know that this is a holy man of God, who is continually passing our way. Let us make a small room for him on the roof with walls, and put there for him a bed, a table, a chair, and a lamp, so that whenever he comes to us, he can go in there. And one day he came there and he turned into the chamber and rested there. And he said to Gehazi, his servant, call the Shumanite. And when he called her, she stood before him. And he said to him, say now to her, see, you have taken all this trouble for us. What is to be done for you? Would you have a word spoken on your behalf to the king or to the commander of the army? She answered, I dwell among my own people. And he said, what then is to be done for her? Gehazi answered, well, she has no son, and her husband is old. He said, call her. And when he called her, she stood in the doorway. And he said, at this season, about this time next year, you shall embrace a son. And she said, no, my Lord, O man of God, do not lie to your servant. But the woman conceived, and she bore a son. About that time, the following spring, as Elisha had said to her, we're going to take a look at this passage and what this means for our lives today. Before we do that, though, as always, let's just go before the Lord and ask Him for His help with that. I know we do that every Sunday. We read a passage of God's Word, and we pray about it. I, I hope that never turns into a routine for you, but you're actually seeking the Lord and saying, God, would you soften my heart to what it is that you have for us this morning? So pray with me, if you will, and ask the Lord that. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it is good, that it's perfect, that it's authoritative over our lives. And God, as we talk about what this means for our lives today, as we, as we really dive into what this, this means for us, God, I pray that we wouldn't leave this place in the same relationship with you than when we came in, but that it would be deeper, that it would be stronger, that we could glorify you more, that we could build up your kingdom more, Father, because of the time that we spent here together worshiping you through song and through reading your word. Father, help us to do that this morning, and it's in your precious life-changing name we pray, Jesus. Amen. Um, well, hey, anybody who knows me knows that I love one particular fast food restaurant, 
the absolute best, hands down, and it's Taco Bell. And it is, I, I just love it. It's the best ever. Uh, in fact, I think I would eat there just about every meal if I could. Uh, I wish that I could. Otherwise, I'd be 400 pounds. So I'm not going to do that. Uh, I also don't have infinite amounts of Taco Bell money, so I can't do that. Uh, but there's one thing that Taco Bell is terrible at. Uh, I love the prices. I love the taste of the food. I even like the style of the restaurant going in there. It, it's cool. But there's one thing that's really hit or miss at a Taco Bell. I mean, it could be an awesome or it could be terrible, and that's the customer service. Man, it, sometimes you get in there, and it's awesome. You get your food right away, and it's great. It tastes great. It's warm. And other times, uh, you wait for an hour waiting for your food, right? I mean, an hour is a little bit extreme. But it's just it's a hit or miss. Taco Bell doesn't have it down. But there's one fast food restaurant that has customer service down to a science. I believe that it is the best can you guess it just for a sec? Ch of course, I don't even have to tell you. You already know Chick-fil-A has the best customer service. Uh, my family, there's been a little bit of an illness going around. Uh, yesterday afternoon, Tammy just looked at me and goes, you're going and getting dinner tonight. I'm not cooking. And I said, okay, sounds good. So I went to Chick-fil-A because I can't risk spending an hour in the Taco Bell drive-thru while I wait for my family's dinner, right? I went to Chick-fil-A, and of course, they're greeting you with an iPad. They drive up, hey, how's your day been going? Awesome, what can we get for you? Boom, 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 boom. And you say, thank you. And what do they say? My... My pleasure, of course, you guys already know. So the customer service is awesome. Uh, also in the new, I've noticed this, in the new uh, Chick-fil-A's, as you roll down your window in the winter, they have heaters there too. Because you wouldn't want to be cold as you have your window down to tell them what you want to eat and to receive your food, right? And uh, in fact, when I got back, I got back uh, with dinner last night and Tammy goes, you're back so soon? What? That didn't take hardly any time at all. Well, that's because I went to Chick-fil-A, right? There's a hospitality uh, issue that, that, that Chick-fil-A just gets down that other places somehow cannot understand. As Christians, we're called to be hospitable people. In fact, 1 Peter 4.9 says this, Show hospitality to one another without grumbling. Romans 12.13 says, Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. Hebrews chapter 13, this is a really cool verse. Look at this with me. Do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers, for thereby some have entertained angels unaware. Could you imagine having people over to your house, and then later on when you get to heaven someday, God says, hey, that person that you took in, that person that you fed dinner to, that person is actually an angel. I mean, just how amazing would that be? In fact, in the New Testament, when it talks about qualifications for leaders as well, it lists off that a leader is to be hospitable. Take a look at Titus chapter 1. It says, for an overseer, as God's steward, must be above reproach. He must not be arrogant or quick-tempered or drunkard or violent or greedy for gain. Look at this. But hospitable, a lover of good, self-controlled, upright, holy, and disciplined. In 1 Timothy, it says this, Therefore, an overseer must be above reproach, the husband of but one wife, sober-minded, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, and able to teach. Look at this. All throughout Scripture, as Christians, we're called to be hospitable people. If you look at that in the original language, in the Greek, literally the word hospitable means to love the outsider. It's making the outsider as if they belong, as if they're one of us, as if they're one of the family, as if they're one of the friends group. It's bringing them in. So the question then is, we can look at this and go, okay, yeah, that, that, that's good, right? But the question then becomes, how do you be hospitable? 
Because I don't know about you, because, but man, that can be really hard sometimes. It can be really difficult to, to think about, okay, not only is being hospitable bringing someone into my house, but it's making the outsider feel welcome. It's making the outsider feel like they are a part of the family, like they are a part of the group. So how do we do that? Well, if we're going to be called to do God's work here, if we're going to be Christians, this is an aspect of our Christian faith that we don't often talk about in church. Hospitality doesn't get a whole lot of airtime, but it is really important. And so what does it look like to be hospitable, and how can we be more hospitable, and what are the outcomes of that? We're going to look at that today by looking at this passage here in 2 Kings. There's a woman here. And it says that she lived in Shunem. Now, here's the important part about Shunem. Is it's right centrally located in Israel, okay? So they say Indiana is the crossroads of America, right, on the billboard signs. I don't know if I buy it, but that's what they say. Shunem is the crossroads of Israel, right? All these roads are going to lead through Shunem where Elisha wants to go. And so it's a good, natural resting spot for him to be. It's a place where he can get some food, where he, where he can rest. And so this lady, she recognizes this. Look at, and it says that uh, where a wealthy woman lived who urged him to eat some food. She's welcoming him in to her home to eat and to rest. So what does it look like to have this extreme hospitality, to have extreme generosity? Because generosity and hospitality, I actually believe, go hand in hand. You can't be hospitable if you're not going to be generous, right? I mean, could you imagine welcoming someone into your home and saying, oh, all right, that's great. Uh, I'm not going to feed you any food because I'm not generous, right? That's just crazy. Being hospitable also means to be generous, to offer things that you have, right? So what does this look like? First, I think we need to understand something about the kingdom of God. And that's this. Look at this. This woman is a wealthy woman. She lives in Shunem. And she's not jealous about what Elisha is doing. So many times in the church, in the kingdom of God, we look at other people, and what do we look at them? We say, I want to do that. I want to be that person. I want that person's position. I want to be able to do what that person is doing. Before we even talk about being hospitable and how to do it, we've got to realize we play a unique role in God's kingdom. Each and every one of us plays a unique role in God's kingdom. This woman isn't looking at Elisha saying, okay, um, that's great what you're doing. I want to do that as well. She recognizes she lives in Shunem, and she has uh, the means to take care of Elisha and in his travels and to offer him food and to offer him rest. And so she goes, hey, you know what I can offer you? I can actually build up God's kingdom by offering you food and offering you rest. Does that make you think of anything? Because when I talk about that, I think of Elijah. Remember in uh, second, or sorry, First Kings chapter 19, it, it's a difficult time for Elijah, and he goes under that broom tree. Remember, he's depressed. And what does God offer to him? He offers him rest and food. She's offering this same thing to Elisha. When you're well-rested, when you're well-fed, you're a different person. I think that's a Snickers commercial somewhere, right? But here, back to the point, realize this, you play a very unique role in God's kingdom. You're not like every other person. And listen, that's a really good thing. 
all throughout Scripture, we get this picture, especially in the New Testament, of the kingdom of God being like a body with different members. Uh, Romans chapter 12 puts it like this. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not have all the same function. And so we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members of one another, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us. Let us use them. You are to use your giftings to build up the kingdom of God. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 puts it very similarly. By the way, if you want to read more about this, read 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14. It talks all about this. But it says this, Now there are a variety of gifts, but the same Spirit, and there are a variety of service, but the same Lord, and there are a variety of activities, but in the same God, who empowers them all in everyone. To each is given a manifestation of the Spirit, not for the building up of the individual, not for the building up of the individual selfish desires. Look at this. Each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. First Peter 4 puts it like this. Each has received a gift. Use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. This is what this woman does so well. She recognizes, hey, I have a home. I have the means to feed Elisha. And even there, she says, hey, you know what? We're going to build onto our house. And we're going to build a guest room specifically for Elisha and his ministry to do this. She recognizes she plays a very unique role in God's kingdom here. And for all of us, if we're going to be as hospitable as we possibly can be, we have to recognize we play a very unique role in God's kingdom. You have gifts that are different than mine, and I have gifts that are different than you, and that's a good, good thing. So recognize, hey, what role do you play, and what do you have? What has God gifted you with? What talents, what kind of resources has God gifted you with? Take a look here in 2 Kings 4, verse 8. It says that she was a wealthy woman. Let's get into this. How, how do you be generous? What does it look like to have this extreme generosity, to have this extreme hospitality in your life? First and foremost, use what you got. Think about what you have in your life. What talents, what resources, what time, what kind of finances do you have? What do you have in your life where you can be hospitable, remember, to the outsider, to make the outsider feel welcome like he is one of us, like he's a member of the family or the friends group or the church or whatever group that you're a part of, how can you be more hospitable in what you have? Hebrews chapter 13 verse 16 says, do not neglect to do good and share what you have for such sacrifices are pleasing to God. When we use the things that we have and we are good stewards of what God has given us, to uh, not neglect the good and to share what we have, as Hebrews chapter 13, verse 16 says, it is pleasing to God. It's pleasing to God when you use what you have to build up his kingdom. Uh, Jesus gives a parable, the parable of the talents. And if you've been in church for any amount of time, you probably know this. In Matthew chapter 25, Jesus talks about this. And he, he gives this parable of this master. And he calls this master, calls three servants. And to one servant, he gives them five talents. And to another two, and to another one. And he says, hey, I'm going to go. I want you to invest this, use this as best as you possibly can. And so the guy with five talents, he comes back. When the master comes back, he, he says, hey, listen, I've turned your five talents. I've turned them into ten. And the master says this, Well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over little. I'll set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. 
And the interesting part is the guy with two, uh, the two talents, he comes back and he says, hey, I've turned them into four. Now, well, that's good, but you would kind of expect the, the, the master here to say, well, that, that's good, but it's not as good as the guy who turned five into ten. I mean, in addition to five, that's, that's great. Interestingly enough, in just two verses, look at this, in verse 23, it didn't, doesn't change the response. He says, well done, my good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of your master. But he doesn't say that for the guy who has one, because the guy who has one goes off and he buries it. And so this is what the master says to this servant who just buried the one talent and didn't do anything with it. He says, but as the master answered him, you wicked and slothful servant, you know that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I scattered no seed. Then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers, and at my coming I should have received what was my own with interest. God is looking at you and he's saying, hey, listen, I've given you certain resources, I've given you certain talents. And I realize some of us have five, some of us have two, and some of us only have one. And God doesn't look at the one who has one any lesser than the one who has five. He still requires the same, to be faithful with it, to be a good steward of what God has given to you. 1 Corinthians puts it like this, so whatever you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. You may have a certain hobby of yours, and you may have a, a certain collection or a certain interest or a certain set of resources or even a certain set of skills that you have. Scripture says use this to benefit the kingdom of God to show hospitality towards people. Um, can I, let, let's be honest, not all of us are super handy at things, right? Um, I, Tammy and I recently renovated our uh, bathroom and uh, I've never done plumbing before. If you've ever done plumbing, it's not the easiest thing in the world, and it's really nerve-wracking because you're putting pipes together, and then you're closing that up and hoping it doesn't leak, right? You're like, I, I can't see the, behind the shower wall. I'm tiling over this, and I really hope that I did it correctly, right? My father-in-law, it was so nice. He's a contractor. I FaceTimed him, and he was like, nope, don't do that. Do this, and, and he showed me how to do it. This is being a good steward of what God has given you with skills. And you're going to be able to bless people with these skills. You may not be a plumber, but you may be good at mechanics with your car. You may good, be good with your finances or paperwork or staying organized. Whatever you have, use that for God's glory and for the common good, as Scripture would say, to build up God's kingdom. And you have something. Some of you may look at this and say, I don't have anything to give. I don't have any time. I don't have any resources. I don't have any skill. Second Peter 1.3 says, His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of Him who called us to His own glory and excellence. God has given you a particular set of skills, a particular set of resources, of time, of finances. Whatever God has given you, use it for His glory. Build up His church. Use what you have. This woman does such a good job at that. Look at verse 9. It says that she talks to her husband and she says, Behold, I know that this is a holy man of God who is continually passing our way. Let us make a small room on the roof with walls and put for them a bed, a table, a chair, a lamp. So whenever he comes to us, he can go in there. I want you to think about this just for a moment. She's literally going to her husband and proposing that they add on to their house so that they can house Elisha as he goes through here. 
I want you to think about this. It's not Elisha coming to her and saying, hey, I would like for you to consider, would you prayerfully consider adding this on to your house so that as I go through, I could have a room to, to, to stay. I don't have money for an inn. I don't have a job. I'm a prophet of the Lord. I don't have money. I need a place to stay. It's not Elisha doing that. She's taking this first step. You're going to have extreme generosity and hospitality in your life. Take the first step. Take the first step. Don't wait for someone to come up to you and ask. Now, if they do that, that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. But what's better is to take that first step and to say, you know what? I'm going to be generous. I'm going to reach out. I'm going to ask if they need help. I'm going to ask if I can help in any way. And sometimes God's going to put that on your heart and say, hey, I want you to do that. Don't turn away. Remember what James 4.17 says. So whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it for him, it's a sin. Don't do that. Do what God is calling you to do. And many times uh, we think that, man, uh, we would like to do something. But if you're anything like me, you get busy. And life is really busy. You've got a lot going on. There's a lot of things that we could be doing with our time. And many times, I think what it boils down to, we wouldn't say this, but we would think it. We would, we would think, man, my time is really important, and I need to spend it doing this. Acts chapter 20 says, I do not account my life of any value, nor precious to myself, if only I may finish the course and the ministry that I've received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. This is Paul talking, and he's saying, hey, listen, I don't live my life for my own desires. I live it to build up God's kingdom. I wonder what would happen if we looked at our lives and said, man, I'm going to do this. I'm going to be extremely hospitable. I'm going to be gracious. I'm, I'm going to be generous with my time and my money and my, my resources. I wonder what our schedules would look like. Ephesians chapter 5 says, look carefully then how you walk, not as wise, unwise, but as wise, making the best use of time because the days are evil. Being hospitable means sometimes we're going to have to clear our schedules out. Uh, can, I, can I confess something to you? I, I'm a busy person, and I like to fill up my schedule. And I, I like to do things. Uh, if you're familiar with the Enneagram, I'm an Enneagram number three, which basically means I do a lot of stuff, right? I mean, that's just, that's just all there is to it. And, and I think that I'm guilty sometimes of filling up my schedule too much and not having the availability in my life to be led by the Spirit, to be hospitable, and to be generous towards other people. If you're going to be hospitable, if you're going to be led by the Spirit to be generous and reach out to people and offer things, you've got to have the time, first and foremost, to do that. I want to continue on here. So use what you have. Take the first step. Look at verse 10. We, we read this a little bit earlier, but this is so fascinating to me. She goes into detail. She goes, okay, you know, we can put them on the roof. We can put walls up on the roof, and this will be good. And, 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 and we'll put a bed in there for them. And, oh, yeah, on a table and a chair and, and a lamp. She goes into these details, and it almost makes me think of she's like dreaming, right? She's like dreaming of what this could look like. Oh, we could put the bed over here, and we put the table right here, and a nice lamp and a comfortable chair for them. 
what is she doing? She's thinking through all those details of when Elisha comes, what's going to make him comfortable? Maybe he'll need a table to eat at. Maybe he'll need a, a lamp so that he could read or write when it's dark outside. And, 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 and man, I'm just going to think through all those details and make it perfect for him so that he could be as effective in his ministry as he possibly can. If you're going to have hospitality in your life, if you're going to have generosity, think through the details. Think through the details of when you bring people into your home. What do they see? What do they do? How do they feel? When I offer things to people, is it actually a blessing? Have you ever gotten a gift from someone and it's been more of a curse than a blessing? Right? And it's just like, hoo-wee, uh, I like animals, but the puppy is a lot of work. I, can we take it back? You know, like it's a, this, is a, this is a hard gift, right? You know, sometimes when you give some, some things to people, it, it's more of a curse than it is a blessing. And when you're hospitable, when you're generous, think through those details. Think about how it's going to affect people. When you're talking with people, think about, man, the questions that I'm asking. Is it going to make someone feel a certain way to put them on the defensive? When you have people over to your home, think about dietary restrictions that people might have. Think about these things. Think through the details. Um, Tammy and I really like to watch things on uh, Discovery Plus, mainly like old stuff, which I know is super weird, but there's this old TV show, it's called Hotel Impossible, and uh, this guy will go into like a mom and pop hotel and uh, that owned a mom pop uh, owned hotel and uh, that's like failing and they need help and he'll walk through and he'll say okay well this is where I'm going to go I'm going to follow the directions I'm going to park in this parking lot if I'm a guest I'm going to go through these main doors and I'm going to talk with this person I'm going to go to my room and he thinks through all those things as, as people would come in and of course they're like terrible hotels right and he goes that's got mold all over it the parking lot's full of potholes there's no one to greet me when I come to the door the door's dirty I don't want to touch that dirty doorknob, right? They're thinking through all of these details. That's how you can be too when you think about your own hospitality, when you think about your own generosity, whether it be opening up your home to people or offering your skills or your time or your resources to them. Think about how those other people are thinking. There's an instance in Scripture where uh, this shows really well. Um, Paul goes all around in the New Testament to different places, and at one point he's on his way to Rome, he's on a boat, and his boat gets shipwrecked. And he and his companions wash up ashore. And this is what it says in chapter 28 of Acts. It says, After we were brought safely through, when we learned that the island was called Malta, the native people showed us, look at this, unusual kindness. For they kindled a fire and welcomed us all because it had begun to rain and was cold. How can you show this same unusual kindness towards people? The people of this random island in the middle of the Mediterranean Sea called Malta welcomed Paul in as an outsider and made him feel welcome by building a fire. A pretty simple act for, for people, right? I mean, this is a pretty simple act, particularly back then. But it meant a lot to people. Think about how simple acts in your life could mean a lot to other people as well. And this isn't only an, an, a New Testament concept. This is an Old Testament concept as well. God called the Israelites and told them, You shall treat the strangers who sojourn with you as a native among you. Look at this, a native And you shall love him as yourself, for you were strangers in the land of Egypt. I am the Lord, your God. He says, hey, I want you to treat the outsider, the stranger, 
like a friend, like one of us. Um, this past week, I was at the hospital, and I, as I was coming out, uh, if you've ever been to Memorial Hospital in South Bend, uh, it's kind of like a maze. I mean, it's a really big building. There's a lot of parking garages, and even though I've been there a number of times as, as a pastor, uh, man, there's, sometimes I just go into the wrong door. Uh, that was uh, my instance uh, this, this past week. I went into the wrong door, and so I'm leaving, and the guy comes out of a different door. I'm in a parking garage, but I'm in the wrong one, of course, and so I've got to go all the way around the building, but you can't go through the building because there's security, there's certain parts of the building that you can't go through unless you're authorized. Of course, I'm not, so I got to go all the way around, and so I got to go like half a, uh, half a block around to the other parking garage. A guy comes out of a door that I'm walking past, and it's the same situation. He goes, hey, do you know how I can get to the main entrance? I said, sure, I'm actually walking there right now. Uh, would you like to walk with me? And he goes, yeah, that'd be great. I said, what are you here for? And he, man, he just un loaded. His wife had just gone through a birth, and there were some complications. They were over in Goshen, and now they're here in South Bend. They had to rush her over here, and he was just a mess. He talked that whole time. I could not get a word in edgewise, which was okay. We walked around to the, to the front entrance. I said, hey, I, I got to go this way. Here's, here's the main entrance. You take care of mom and baby there for me, huh? And she, he goes, yes, I will, absolutely. And he, he rushes in to the hospital. Man, even just asking someone a simple question, hey, what are you here for? How are you doing? And, and really mean it, not just a, 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 a kind of a pleasantry of, a, hey, how's it going? Anyway, so, you know, hey, really invest into someone and ask them, this is what it looks like to be hospitable, to make someone feel like an insider when they might feel like an outsider. One more thing I want to point out to you that this lady does really well. Um, so uh, Paul, he, he's there, and he tells to his servant Gehazi, he goes, hey, listen, how can we thank her? What, what can we do for her? And he even offers this to her. She's right in front of him, and he says, hey, what can be done for you? Uh, would you like a word spoken on your behalf to the king or the commander of the army? Paul's saying, hey, listen, I'll put in a good word for you with the local officials. I'll put in this good word for you, and you'll have a good reputation. And she simply answers this. This is kind of a weird phrase in Hebrew. She says, she answered, I dwell among my own people. Now, this is a pretty literal translation, but in newer translations, your Bible might say, hey, I'm okay. I'm okay living here. I'm okay where I'm at. In other words, she has contentment. And she simply says, hey, it's okay. You don't have to thank me. You don't have to repay me for any of my generosity or hospitality towards you. This is just what I want to do. I want to gift you. I want to bless you. If you're going to be extremely hospitable and generous, the last thing that you need to do is not seek out thanks or repayment. Don't seek out a thanks. In other words, don't do something just so that you can get the thanks. Have you ever been around someone that, man, they want to do stuff for you, but they want to hear it, and they want to hear their praise, and they want to hear thank you over and over and over and over and over again? Don't be that person. Don't be that. You can be uh, gracious and, and, and generous with your thank yous, but don't seek that out. Don't do things just to seek out people thanking you. For it. Philippians chapter 2 says, Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourself. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. 
Jesus in his famous uh, Sermon on the Mount says, but when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. In other words, don't go around and brag about how generous and hospitable you are to people. Simply do it and know that you're building up God's kingdom and that's enough for you. Romans chapter 12 verse 10 says simply, love one another with brotherly affection, outdo one another in showing honor. How can you do that towards other people? As we close up today, I want to ask you a simple question. How can you be hospitable and generous towards those who are around you? What would your life look like if you were more hospitable, if you treated outsiders like they were insiders? You know, the last few years have been pretty hard. You know, we went through COVID, and there's just been a lot of ups and downs. There's a lot of polarization in our culture today. As Christians, how could we combat that? As Christians, how could we show God's love in a way that would say, hey, listen, I know you may be on the other side of the aisle politically from me and ideologically from me, but how could I show you God's love the best way that I possibly can? How can I be hospitable towards you in a world that is very tumultuous, in a world that is divided? Christians can come in and say, hey, there's a love of Jesus that overflows in my heart and goes on to you. As I think about my life, there are a number of people who showed me extreme hospitality and generosity. And I don't think, if it, if it weren't for those people, I'm not sure I would be a Christian today. Those people would include my, my pastor as I was growing up, the, the Smiths. Man, they brought me in. I was just a, a rowdy teenager, a little preteen boy that was friends with their son. And, and uh, man, I probably smelled weird and said weird things. And, and they just brought me in as their own and said, hey, you know what? You're, you're Kyle's friend. Come on in. Uh, and we'll just treat you like one of, one of our own. There's my youth pastor growing up, Tim, and he would just say, hey, let me take you under my shoulder here. Let's, let's go do things together. Let's, uh, let's, let's get you started in ministry together. Man, if it weren't for those handful of people who took me in who were hospitable and generous with their time and their skills and their resources towards me, I'm not sure where I would be in my faith today. How can you be that person for someone else? How could you be that person who brings people in, who shows them God's love and says, hey, I'm going to be hospitable and generous because God was that way to me? How has God showed you his kindness and his hospitality, and how has that brought you in? Romans 2.4, I want to read one more verse to you, and then I promise I'm done. Romans 2.4 says, Or do you presume on the riches of his kindness and forbearance and patience, not knowing that God's kindness that his kindness is meant to lead you to repentance. How can you show God's kindness in your hospitality as you reach out to other people? And again, that, that might only be through a conversation. That might only be by saying, hey, listen, why don't you come over? Let's, let's have a meal together. It doesn't have to be anything fancy. You don't have to have the perfect house. You don't have to have the, the white picket fence out in the front yard. It could just be authentically you. They say that today... People are chronically lonely and anxious and that those, those two things go together. In a world that's chronically lonely and anxious, you as a believer have a particular gift to be generous and hospitable to 
combat that. To show people God's love and then by doing so, invite them to know Jesus as their personal Lord and Savior. Jesus didn't die on the cross just so that we could accept him, accept him as our personal Lord and Savior, be saved, and keep that to ourselves. But he died on the cross so that we could do that and then spread that same love that he showed to us to each and every person who we come in contact with. How can we do that? By showing hospitality in a divided world where we can show God's love to people. In a tumultuous, lonely, anxious world, we have a particular gift as Christians. We can show God's love to those around us. Let's do that well. Amen, church. Let me pray for you. Father, we thank you so much for uh, this instance in Scripture of this woman showing hospitality towards Elisha. And I pray for each and every one of us that, that we could do that, that we could show your love, we could show your hospitality, we can show your generosity to those who are around us. Jesus, I, I pray that you would lead us, that we would not be so busy and self-centered in our schedules, but Father, that we could realize your great kindness, your great mercy that you have shown to us, that we can show that to other people. Help us to make the best use of our time, as your word says in Ephesians 5. That we could build up your kingdom, that we could love others well, that we could show them your hospitality, God, your generosity, your grace, your mercy, your love. That we would be people who wouldn't be divided just because of where someone stands politically or ideology. Father, I pray that we could reach out to them, no matter where people are. We could show them your love. We could show them your grace. And that's what would be our focus, is your kingdom, Father. Your saving work on the cross, Jesus. Holy Spirit, lead us. Give us wisdom. Give us the words to say. It could be difficult to talk to strangers. Help us to make people feel special and welcome as we talk with them. Father, that's what we want. Help us to do that. And then by doing so, build up your kingdom. Help us to do what you've called us to be, hospitable, loving, generous people. Jesus, we thank you so much for dying on the cross, for making that all possible, for transforming us. Help us to live in a transformed way in your hospitality and our generosity. It's in your precious life-changing name we pray, Jesus. Amen.